You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I am your host, Mike. I am joined this evening by Austin. Hello. And our very special guest, Kobe. Oh my goodness, I just blanked on his name. Kobe. Kobe Ward. Kobe Ward. It's oh God, I'm, I'm so sorry. Okay. It's been, it's been that day. So, Kobe, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I apologize for that. Um, how, how are you? I'm awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, it's Kobe Michael. Michael's my middle name, um, but it's the name that I use on the book. Um, okay. Okay. Kobe, yeah. okay. Okay. Kobe Michael Ward. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. And we do, we do carry your book here in the shop. Like I said, I have, you'll have to forgive me. It's just, it's been one of those days. Um, all right. So really quickly before we kind of dive into our topic for the, this episode, um, we, we just want to kind of check in, like, um, what are your preferred pronouns? He, him. He, him. Okay. All right. And then are there any particular titles, like as we're maybe referencing your work uh, throughout the episode, is there anything like that you, you know, like, I, do you, are you, do you consider yourself a witch? Are you a folk practitioner? Like what, what do you usually kind of, or how do you kind of call yourself? Um, I, I use a lot of different terms and kind of pop around and I definitely identify as a witch, uh, more of a folklore based practitioner, um, but okay. also kind of grounded in general western esoteric tradition at large okay cool okay all right okay good we just we just want to make sure we you know we we acknowledge those um and that we're we're you know addressing you as as you would prefer to be so all right yeah, definitely all right so i guess uh, to kind of kick off our our interview tonight um or our episode tonight um i i just wanted to know like really quickly if you could kind of share how, how did you find your way to herbalism uh, but not just herbalism, uh, specifically the work that you do with um, what many of us consider baneful herbs. Yeah, um, you know, I've always been interested in plants and kind of grew up um, with my grandparents growing them and, and just being close to nature. And I, I always had a fascination with mixing different herbal ingredients together and making potions in the kitchen. Um, ah, okay. You know, so that kind of started like my budding interest in magic and witchcraft. And then we sort of fast forward into high school where things start to get a little bit darker and I start to, you know, smoke weed and take mushrooms and things like that. And <laughs> okay, yeah. um, that all, all kind of coalesced into an interest in different states of consciousness, um, you know, altered states of awareness and interacting with, with different entities and things like that. Through entheogenic experience and ritual, um, you know, so it's kind of before I really had a name for it or a really kind of defined like destination that I was headed in, um, you know, that I was kind of picking up all of these different life experiences and and interests and you know, in some cases, I guess vices that kind of led me to where I am now and and how I work with the plants that I do. All right. So I, I love the, the way you, you kind of share that because it, it seems to me that, um, of course, no, no one else's story is like yours, right? Your, your story is just that. It's, it's your story. But, um, but it would seem to me, though, that um, having gone through, particularly, as you mentioned, you know, like some of the um, experience that you had with, um, you know, like psychotropics, these kinds of things, these kinds of substances, entheogens, these kinds of things, um, that, that at one point, you know, perhaps this was something that seemed to be, um, we'll just say like maybe like less wholesome, but, but as you have grown as an individual, um, can you, can you, would, would you say that, that your experience with those things beyond, of course, just giving you the knowledge of experience, would you say that, that your, 
um, you know, kind of who you are today in your practice is really kind of a, you know, th that would be a part of that, you know, that history and that experience. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I've always been interested in, you know, exploring just different states of consciousness and different states of being, different levels of reality. And, you know, I think that definitely had an influence on it and, you know, did get a little bit more of a slippery slope as I, I started to experiment with other things um, mm -hmm. and, and started to kind of <laughs> have a little um, dependency issue with, with opiates and things like that. But now that's all, you know, in recovery for a few years yeah. and all of that. But, you know, really with, with kind of looking at, at all of these different states of consciousness and these different substances and the role that they play, not only on our, our physicality, but our spirituality and how we interact with energy and and all of that, it's really all kind of just wrapped up in who I am and what I do and the different things that I've, I've been through and, and yeah. poisonous plants have just really been a, a mirror, I guess, for that. No, that, that's excellent. And again, and the, the reason I asked that is just to kind of, again, clarify a little bit that, you know, the, um, very often, you know, and, and from what you're saying, I'm sure you'll agree, very often the uh, experiences that we have in our lives maybe that prove to be you know, the, the darkest or the most dangerous are also sometimes the ones that, that really can prove to teach us the most and, and make us the strongest. So, um, yeah, it's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Will you describe the poisoned path for our listeners who may not be aware of it? Sure. Um, so at first glance, it, it sounds like it's all about, um, you know, how to get rid of your your husband was cheating on you or, or how to, you know, collect your inheritance early or something like that. Um, but the poison path is really just a, a branch of, of occult herbalism and looking at the, the hidden properties of plants. Um, these plants just happen to be um, poisonous or potentially harmful in some other way. You know, they're not all completely deadly. Um, <clears throat> they're on a spectrum and kind of exploring that as a um, kind of an energy current or a way that that these, these plants interact with the rest of the world is sort of through that lens of, of being poisonous. Mm -hmm. All right. So the the poisoned path, um, just just from my own study and, and, and from some of the communication I've had with fellow practitioners, I mean, th this is something that is um, like this goes to the root of so many of our folk and witchcraft uh, practices and traditions. I mean, I think if you dig far enough back, regardless of culture, um, you know, geography, all these things, there there are always seem to be stories that pop up um, around, you know, the, the archetype of the poisoner. Um, how would you say that the the historical because you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you you were like a folkloric kind of a practitioner um how how would you say that that kind of information or that that kind of approach and the history there in addition to the folklore um how would you say that those continue to kind of impress upon your practices say like a more contemporary kind of a witch like i think those are the pieces that we want to hold on to even though we also need to evolve um what's your take on that I'm just curious. Yeah, those archetypes, um, you know, the the back alley, um, you know, fortune teller, poisoner kind of dealings and um, these women that were knowledgeable in these plants that were 
you know, put in, in places of power as, as almost like warlords and things like that. It's just a really, really interesting history. Um, and we can draw a lot from that as far as how we use specific plants and magic um, based on um, the different historical scenarios or myths or legends or what have you. Um, they kind of serve as like an additional layer of correspondence beyond just um, like planetary correspondences. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, actually. Well, and the way that you answered that, you know, I, I wasn't even really considering the concept of correspondence. Although I, I guess, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, that's exactly what that would be. So, okay, cool. All right. Thank you again. Thank you for sharing on that. Um, so what do you feel many practitioners misunderstand most about what we identify as baneful herbs? Um, that they're all ultimately deadly. Um, you know, baneful is a very broad category, uh, and sometimes you'll also hear the term baleful used mm -hmm. interchangeably, and that speaks to more of a, a sinister kind of malefic influence that a plant may have. Um, you know, and this could be a completely innocuous plant. Maybe it's one that just likes to grow in graveyards or, um, you know, different fungi that kind of thrive on rotting and decaying matter. You know, any of these different associations, whether they're physical characteristics or chemical constituents, uh, thorns, those could all be considered baneful. Anything that is, you know, kind of pernicious or dangerous in some way to humans would have sort of that other uh, baneful type nature, which is what we're, we're kind of looking for with these plants. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it safe to say that most baneful herbs? So I'm I actually got your book for uh, the holidays as a as a gift, and I've been devouring it. Um, is it safe to say that pretty much most baneful herbs, if not all baneful herbs, are Saturnian in nature? Um, yeah. So as a category overall, um, poisonous plants or baneful herbs in general are going to be ruled by Saturn. Um, you know, that's the main main kind of thing that it's associated with is that, <clears throat> you know, sort of dark, chthonic, death, sex, dichotomy. Um, hmm. But they're not limited to that. A lot of them will exhibit other characteristics as well. We see a lot of uh, baneful herbs are also psychoactive aphrodisiacs. So they have kind of a, a Venusian element, but it's still kind of tinged with that darker Saturnian quality. Um, and then on the other side, some are, you know, Saturnian, but also kind of mercurial, um, dealing with more, you know, shape shifting and spirit flight and travel to other realms and, you know, kind of more hmm. psychedelic, for lack of a better term. Hmm. Okay. But Saturn is always, always a malefic influence, isn't it? Malefic. Yeah, and, and Saturn is always, always present too. Yeah, uh, and not necessarily always a, a malefic or bad influence, um, but you know, it's just that part of that cycle of of death, decay, and and putrefaction, and everything kind of breaking down before you can make something new. Well, yeah, and and I guess like malefic would all be in the eyes of like the person. It's subjective. What really. is? Yeah, it would you be know? very subjective. Yeah, not only to the individual, but again, also when you look at things like groups of people, culture, mm -hmm. these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, okay, here's an here's an easy one, Kobe. So, of the many uh, baneful, baleful, 
poisonous, you know, whatever, whatever term you want to use of, of the herbs that you worked with, uh, kind of within that category, what's, what's one of your favorites and, and why? Um, so Belladonna or Deadly Nightshade is my favorite. Okay. And I think it's because she, I refer to her as she, even though plants mm -hmm. don't necessarily manifest yeah. that way. But for me, um, that's how I, I view the, the plant spirit. Mm -hmm. It's it's just kind of this symbiotic pairing of of this seductive, sensual, sexual side with this very just dark, dangerous, sadistic side. Um, you know, so it has been used as an aphrodisiac. It has been used as a, a glamour magic herb to make one more more beguiling more appealing um so it has kind of that coercive manipulative lusty kind of element to it mm -hmm. and it also has you know that dangerous deadly you know i will just simply kill you kind of a vibe yeah. and um, i've always really resonated with that i've always kind of gravitated towards the the darker side but i'm also kind of a big softy a little bit of a love witch so um <laughs> And that's all kind of wrapped up in in belladonna okay that's, that seems like a good combination to me you know why not right yeah. okay and I, and I would agree with you i that that particular plant spirit for me has always had a very strong feminine kind of kind of a of, a, of an energy so yeah so i i i totally get that yeah so it's, right. a, it's a really good one too for um trauma and kind of dealing with your own sexuality and Topics of gender and, and things like mm -hmm. that and dominance and submission and it's it's all wrapped up in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I particularly love Detora. Yeah. You you we get you on the you start talking about Detora and you don't stop. So I, I, have a, I don't know. That's like no, I mean don't, don't please don't understand don't misunderstand me. Detora is an amazing uh plant spirit as well, but I, I think I, we we deal with you on a day-to-day -day basis and we're so we're all like oh god we're just totally exhausted with the detura conversation i i tried growing belladonna and it did not work very well uh, she yeah. popped up a little bit and then she was like bye yeah i it's something about the area that we're in right now i think is just it's it's a harder for some of those plants to to kind of take hold here yeah but hmm. all right okay so here's here's a, another Another question, maybe that I've got for you. This one, this one, probably be a little more loaded, I guess. Uh, not, not of course for any of us necessarily, but maybe for some of our listeners. Um, but I'd like to get your take as someone who, you know, you teach, you've written a book, you know, like this is this is so much of your personal practice. You know, you, this is this is kind of a big part of your your life and your spirituality. Um, how important? Would you really say, or, or do you really kind of believe that knowledge of these things, herbs, plants? Uh, trees, you know, what you know, the knowledge of these things uh, to say, like, like, like in folk, folk magic practices, witchcraft practices, just whatever, whatever spiritual practice it may be. How how important do you believe this kind of knowledge is? Um, I <laughs> I don't know that there's anything more important. I think that you know, it, it all kind of traces back to plants and to our connection. To nature and mm -hmm. plants are our, our closest point of connection we have a more intimate relationship with, with the plant realm than we do with you know and animals and other humans a lot of times just mm -hmm. the food that we eat the medicine that we take um, 
you know, so maintaining that knowledge and kind of carrying it into the future is, is kind of, you know, what it is all about uh, because we're just barely scratching the surface with what is out there. And, you know, if we look at, at what's been maintained in other indigenous cultures around the world is South America, for example, in the Amazon where there's over 80,000 different species of plants and these people have, have maintained this oral tradition of this pharmacopoeia of knowledge and um, those of us of European descent cannot say the same. So it's kind of a, a, re, a reclaiming of a lot of this, this knowledge and, and treating it as sacred as it should be and carrying it on like it should have been all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, I, thank you for, for answering that. I know, um, you know, we, we often hesitate, I think, to express um, you know, opinions on, on topics like that. I mean, maybe you don't, but, you know, but we, um, you know, but as a teacher, I, I'm sure you've had a moment here and there where you've had to deal with someone who maybe wasn't able to fully grasp or wasn't really kind of coming from a like experience or position. Um, you know, yeah, but I, th I would, I would agree with you on that completely. I, I, I do think that, um, most of us, regardless of our personal spiritual practice really do benefit from this knowledge, you know, even just like, you know, just a, a brief, you know, sampling of, of knowledge around these kinds of things, I think can really do so much to broaden pretty much anyone's spiritual practice. Um, so, cool. Yeah, even outside of a spiritual context there, you know, the, the benefits are just, it doesn't have to be part of any kind of tradition or religion or anything mm -hmm. like that. You know, plant medicine is, is universal. Yeah. Well, yeah, good point. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. I, I you're you're right. Yeah, that, that's, that's so true. I mean, I remember the first uh, the first order that I purchased from from you, Kobe, had um it had Datura salve in it, and I never thought in a million years that I would be utilizing it on a medicinal level. You know, I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and I'll use this to prepare for. Uh, some deep trance work or some, maybe some spirit flight or something like that. But um, I actually have uh, a really bad damaged ankle. And when my ankle acts up at night and it's like on fire, that ointment's one of the only things that helps. It helps soothe those nerves. And so that was kind of my first experience in understanding that poison can also be medicine. And that a lot of our modern day medical practices or medicines come from herbs that would be a little bit more on the toxic side. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. Even even in his book, he talks about belladonna being used in cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. just found that fascinating. Oh, belladonna has some very interesting uses historically. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. Uh, so what's an accessible way, you think, to create a working relationship with a plant spirit? Um, the, the most accessible way would be to just just go outdoors and uh, you know spend time with the the plant in its physical environment, um, assuming that it's something that that grows natively. You know, if you're just looking to connect with plant spirits in general, there's there's tons of plant spirits out there that are ready and willing to connect with you. Um, and there's also lots of natively growing um, poisonous plants or we even want to call them invasive herbs that also kind of have that sort of baneful quality just simply because they're considered noxious weeds. Um, you know, just sort of growing out and investigating the diverse 
plants that are already in your area um, and kind of finding what their baneful qualities are. Um, because like I keep saying, it doesn't always necessarily translate to being a deadly poison, but something that's maybe a purgative, like pokeweed, which grows all over the place, or mm -hmm. you know, some of the more, more commonly growing nightshades to connect with some of those um, Saturnian energies. Uh, you know, the nightshades are growing all around us, all over North America, uh, so relatively easy to find. Um, but, you know, it's just going out and kind of establishing that rapport and kind of that repeated um, experience, that repeated connection. And I think that that's a really important thing, I think, now, because I think a lot of... Uh... I don't know, in and in in again, kind of our modern world, you know, our, um, just the average person, you know, our uh, ability to kind of get out into nature and, you know, to take a break from, you know, the, you know, whichever the gadget may be, you know, that kind of seems to take most of our time and, um, you know, just kind of go out and kind of be at peace or at one with the physical world and to, and to feel the energy of, of these kinds of spirits, these plants and trees and things. I think, yeah, it's um, something that, I think benefits us in a lot of different ways, actually. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But but yeah, that's good, you know, and I think fairly easy. Anybody should be able to, well, I wouldn't say anybody, but most people, most people should be able to get out into nature, right? Yeah. Well, and what part of being a witch is kind of taking care of the things that are around you and knowing your genus loci and not feeling the need to have to order that extremely rare and expensive herb that only grows in one particular place across the seas, you know? Mm -hmm. um, though, if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. But if you can go out and you can make and establish a connection with something that is already growing in your area, you're it's, it's just like building a friendship. You're going to build rapport with that spirit and you can do some really pretty awesome things with it. True. All right. So as you were were kind of coming into your own, you know, practice and, and you know, just basically just kind of based off what you shared kind of close to the beginning of the episode, just just live in your life. Right. Um, who who have you found, um, you know, connected to the, to the work that you're now doing? Who who inspired you? I'm, I'm always really curious. I'm, I'm an herbalist. I work as an herbalist here in our shop. And um, and I always love to have this conversation when I meet other herbalists, other people who work with plants and, and you know, in whatever capacity, you know, and one, one of the things I always like to kind of ask is like, who, who inspired you, you know, as you were learning, like, who were the authors that you, you constantly turned to, or, or who perhaps were your sources of information? Can you share a few of those with us? Oh, for sure. Um, so one of my first probably... Um, resources that I kept going back to and back to and back to was um, the Alchemy Works website, which was um, originally put up by Harold Roth. Um, you know, he's been an amazing resource for um, not only the poison path, but just magical herbalism in general. Mm -hmm. um, but that website was was amazing. And then in, I think, 2017, he came out with um, the book The Witching Herbs, uh, which was a, a pretty influential book as far as um, entheogens and, and poison path type material goes. Uh, it was one of the, the more recent ones to really touch on that. Always love his work and 
you know, of course, Daniel, Daniel Schulke, he was always kind of uh, one that I idolized as far as, you know, just the amount of information that he could cram into to one sentence and still make it sound, you know, pretty and eloquent. Mm-hmm. Uh, always admired that. Uh, and then I have to say, too, that uh, Sarah Lawless, she was yeah, okay. very influential. You know, she's she's been doing this longer than me and you know definitely was was inspired by by her work you know long before I made my first ointment and uh, yeah hmm. she's still doing it yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool what what's your take on some of the um I don't know guy I don't know what you would call them like the classics you know like the Culpepper and and you know like these old references that we get what's what's your take on some of those because I I find you know, there's still good medicinal information in some of those old old books, but um, but I find in my own use, very often I end up kind of referring to those more for the, uh, again, kind of like the energetic correspondences. Like I know Culpepper was a real big one on planetary correspondence. So um, you know, nothing too specific, I guess, but like what's what's your take on some of those older uh, resources? Um, I think they're they're interesting. I mean, they're beneficial for points of comparison. Uh, about the only thing that I'll really refer to Culpepper to is, you know, just sort of checking planetary correspondences, you know, to be like, okay, here's my correspondences. This is what he called it. And hmm. uh, go from there. Uh, but there's, there's bits and pieces that are, are interesting. Um, yeah. Especially uh, when it comes to some of the baneful herbs, you know, not being really written about quite as frequently. It doesn't seem like into this, in a later portion of the, the modern period, mm-hmm. like the Greaves Herbal and um, Hildegard von Bingen, you mentioning some of the nightshades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I like I said. I just that's just something I always like to kind of check in with because I, I'm always curious to see where people are continuing to draw their information. Well, um, well that's something that is important, I think, because we have a whole lot of more i don't i don't know newer sources i guess uh yeah which which is great you know which is great but then the 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 current generation or the newer generation of practicing witches wants to remove anything of older authors you know and it's good to understand that we can still take from those works and apply them to our current practices. Um, but we also, you know, it's good for us to understand that some of those things were dated. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, like the often the, the, you know, unintentional or sometimes intentional, like political issues and things that come mm-hmm. up around. I'm just, I'm really just basically talking purely about the herbal information. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, and I would I would willingly sift through that, you know, if there's there's valuable, usable academic information, you know, ignoring somebody's <laughs> horrible language for yeah, for the, yeah. the research purposes of it. So yeah, definitely outdated in, in that sense. Yeah. So, so what's what's kind of on the horizon for you? Like, you know, we're, we're still kind of really new into the year and, um, and I know you're already, you've you've already got so much going on. Um, what's, what's, what's going on for you this year? How, how are you anticipating that you and the work that you're doing are going to be growing in 2022? 
Yeah, well, um, I thought I was going to kind of get a little bit of a breather after the holidays and the book came out in October. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, things will kind of go a little bit back to normal, slow down a little bit. And that really hasn't been the case. It, it just seems <laughs> to be kind of spreading and turning into something even bigger. Um, but of course, I'm, I'm always one to start new projects. So... Mm-hmm. I'm going to be going to the New Orleans Oddities Expo at the end of this mm. month. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Okay. New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That area is always fun to visit. Yeah. But the Oddities Expo, it sounds like that'd be really cool, too. I'm wondering if if it's the same one. They they came through our area um, kind of close to the end of last year. Um, mm. and it was, it was a cool show. I, I, I went, I've got a niece who's a taxidermist and she and I went so that she could network a little bit. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it was definitely a cool, cool event. Yeah. So are you going to be presenting there? Like just, just kind of vending? Like what's your, um, what are you going to be doing there? Yeah. Um, I'll just be vending and it'll be kind of like my first magical debut, like vending or doing something of like a professional nature in yeah. New Orleans other than classes. So that's exciting. Um, But it's going to be interesting because most of the plants that I work with are technically illegal in Louisiana. Oh, (laughs) okay. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that could be, that could be interesting. You'll have to, have to figure out how to do that. We, we kind of, in our area here, we, um, we, we, we actually have a pretty good loophole in our area here. We basically just slap the word curio on everything and we're, we're usually pretty we're usually pretty okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I that's interesting though. Hmm. I, yeah. I love when those things pop up and trying to find the loopholes around it. It's it just feels like I'm trying to be a secret agent. Uh, I, I hope nothing nothing bad happens or that you get in trouble. Um No, no. <laughs> I was I was thumbing through uh, social media earlier and I'm a member of the Poisoners Apothecary group on Facebook mm-hmm. and um, one thing that I really enjoy about Kobe is that he will jump in and just drop truth bombs so someone was okay. uh, looking at like where to get I think it was monk's hood tincture oh and Kobe <laughs> was like no that will kill you you will die like drops okay. you'll be dead on the floor yeah and so if there's anyone that I trust with information on poison yeah. herbs, it's, okay. it's Kobe. That's good. Like, I mean, and if there were ever a moment to jump in and like regulate, like that, that would be the yeah. one, right? Yeah. So, okay, cool. All right. It's funny. So you mentioned this because that's going to kind of lead us to our, our next um, little thing here. So there is uh, a Poisoner's Apothecary Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, where else can can our listeners follow you, uh, Kobe? Where, where else um, can they find you like online or on social media? Um, yeah, I, I'm all over social media. If you look up Poisoner's Apothecary on Google, you'll find all the, the links. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, visit the website, thepoisonersapothecary.com. Uh, it also has a blog with some plant information uh, that I'm always adding to. Uh, it's got a Patreon going, which is um, under Poisoner's Apothecary as well. Uh, I do some okay. more formulary type things, videos and whatnot. Okay. That's cool. I I I, <laughs> I back a few other Patreon accounts. I had no idea. I'll, I'll have to go find you on Patreon and back you. Um 
Cool. All right. What's one of your favorite products that you that you sell or that you just create for yourself? What's one of the favorite things that you like to make? I really like um, commanding formulas and oh, okay, <laughs> love formulas. So like my Jezebel oil, um, I have a Two Blades oil, which is a gay love oil. Kind of branching out more into some experimental entheogenic aphrodisiac formulas for Valentine's Day. Ah, okay. Cool. All right. Very nice. I uh, I have a lover's smoke blend um, pre-roll that I got from Kobe because I got his. Oh, okay. Um, I ordered the smoke blend variety because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to get some of the, uh, I can never say it right, Amantia, it's a mushroom. Okay. Yeah. Amanita. Amanita. Yeah, yeah, Thank I'm, you. Yeah, yeah Amanita. <laughs> like, yeah, like little red caps, yeah. white knots. Yeah. Uh, right. I got some of that, and that was a really awesome smoke blend. Um, for our listeners, they're going to be like, but Austin, you're a singer. And I'm like, do as I say, not as I do, kids. Um, I'm not a big smoker, but those smoke blends are really good. I used the Amanita blends, and they were very lovely, very smooth, very grounding. Okay. And then I did a... I think it was the Neptis or the Nyx. Nepenthes. Yeah, it was really awesome. Okay. I, I used that before I um, uh, did a Covina ritual. Gotcha. All right. So if you haven't had a chance, I'm just talking to our listeners right now. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Poisoner's Apothecary, do so. <laughs> Kobe carries some amazing ritual tools talismans salves mm -hmm. blends and oils kobe kobe's stuff is absolutely fantastic and if the poison path is something that you'd be really interested in then please run out to your local metaphysical shop or barnes and noble and or other local if you're, if you're in the area come into our shop because we, we carry his book yeah here. and and pick yeah. up pick up kobe's book yeah, yeah it's, it's it's and what is his book called the poisoner the poison path herbal okay i do believe i get words mixed up it's been a lot it long. is yeah it's, it's, <laughs> i did it's, 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 it's on the shelf right over here if you need it <laughs> and it's, okay. it's on back order again so you guys maybe oh. have some of the only copies available right oh, now geez, okay yeah i think we've got like two or three in our back stock closet we've got a couple on the shelf and then we've got a couple in the closet so we'll have to we'll have to have to hold on to those. We'll hold on to those. Sell those to the highest bidder. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so we do this thing where we segue away from like an interview process, and most of our listeners will, will be aware of this, but then we just kind of talk about like uh, witchcraft in the real world and what are we planning on doing. I know it's 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 late where you're at. Um, yeah, think, we don't we don't want to keep you yeah, for we don't much longer. Keep too, too long, yeah. too much longer. Um, but what are you noticing in the current witchcraft communities or the pagan circles or whatever you want to call it magical communities um what are you noticing is a is a current hot button topic um that just either grinds your gears or really just kind of makes you go huh all right Oh gosh, I'm so out of touch with what's going on. Okay. So he sounds like me. Yeah, I'm I'm really out of the loop. So I'm so yeah. busy right now. I I I literally I don't I don't scroll through a lot. I usually just I'm posting, I'm formulating, I'm writing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, no, 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 and that's that's okay. No worries, you're good. Yeah, I, I think um, it would make perfect sense to us. Oh yeah, you know, with with how you you even just on this this episode, you know, you've explained that your your year, you know, you were kind of anticipating a little bit of a break, and that really hasn't been what's happened. Um, so yeah, so you're you're busy. You're busy. Maybe if you so, didn't write this is the out. most social action that I have on this and honestly, these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess that's that's not not necessarily a bad thing, right? It could could be worse. No, um, no, I'd rather uh, talk to you guys anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably gonna jump right off of here and go straight to like, he he has these um baneful luminaries mm. that he's created, and oh. I want them. Okay. And so I think I might hop off of here after we wrap up and go and order some things. Probably drop. Drop a chunk of change. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend your money on you know, I well I have buy, I have very stuff, few stuff Kobe makes is worth um, it. fellow witches who I I connect with. Kobe's one of them. Another okay. one's Mama Sarah, um, and then that's that's that's. I mean, obviously, I have my 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 guys over at uh, Modern Witch, Devin Hunter, and stuff mm. like that. But um, but Kobe's stuff is just. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah so all right well that's pretty much it Kobe. like i said we didn't want to keep you on here too long we know you're you're you know you're you're very busy we just we appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time yeah. um and talking oh no i don't mind yeah, yeah <laughs> we won't we won't keep you really any longer i think i, don't I need know. to send um, him a package of my belladonna inside you should actually that's a really good idea you i think yeah to do that so yeah so just just a little bit about me kobe i i'm the I'm, I'm a formulator here in our shop um i hand create all of all 30 plus variety of incense that we have here sacred scent has been a huge thing for me um and magical herbalism and so when i finally sucked it up enough to go okay maybe i can work with some i don't know baneful or even poisonous plants um stumbling upon you and your information and your blog it was really kind of eye-opening for me and so the first plant i was ever able to grow was was detora and it was from the seeds that you sent me in my one of my orders and i'm looking forward to doing that so i will make sure that um, i get in contact with you and get you information and i will send you a package of the belladonna incense since she's your favorite mm -hmm. yes um, i would love that it, I, obviously i did not put real belladonna in it because <laughs> i don't want to risk killing our customers um, and I'm not. They probably have to burn a fair amount of that incense yeah, to really have yeah. it be an issue. I, I will say that the base oil may or may not have a dried berry in it, but I digress. Um, but it is basically in the connection that I've made to that plant spirit, just kind of how I formulated it. So I hope you like it. Um, other than that, it was. It's been awesome talking to you, mm. Kobe. Thank you so much and. We look forward to seeing what else you have coming up in the new year. Yes, so Kobe Michael Ward. Um, go and go and check out his work at the poisonersapothecary.com. Um, and uh, yeah, and Kobe, we, we look forward to, to seeing more from you in future. I'm sure you've got some really cool stuff coming up. Oh, yes, you haven't heard the last of me. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, it's been awesome. Thank you so much, Kobe. We'll go ahead and let you go so that way you can get some get some rest since late where you're at yeah well thank you guys so much it was a pleasure 
talking with you, Austin. Good to talk to you again. And nice to meet you, Mike. So thank you. Thank you, Kobe. Have a good evening. Thank you guys. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. So we just wrapped up our podcast episode with Kobe Michael, the owner of the Poisoner's Apothecary. And, and author of the Poison author. Path Herbal. And it's a highly recommended book, highly recommended online shop. Kobe really knows his stuff. We did get a listener uh, who asked us a question. So we're going to go ahead and take a few extra minutes to answer that. All right. Now, to be clear, this is a question that came through on a prior episode. Um, or fo- the follow-up to a prior episode. And um, those of you who do listen to the podcast, when we actually, you know, when we, we say on the podcast to submit your questions um, or even topic suggestions, uh, please, please do that. You know, um, if you're enjoying what we're doing here on the podcast, you know, go in and follow us, give us a like, leave a review, um, you know, and yeah, and if there's something you would like to hear us talk about a bit more or address, um, submit those questions. You can contact us through pretty much any of the major social media platforms and uh we will we will happily get to your submission your question whatever it may be as soon as we are able to okay um you know we're we're big about education so so our question this evening uh comes to us from well that's okay we won't go there with names but the the question basically uh is and i guess what they were looking for is they wanted some information from us on effective cord cutting all right um before we get practical, the first thing I want to say is so many people are so freaked out by this cord cutting thing. Like, seriously, I remember like 20 years ago, you never heard anybody talking about cord cutting. It was it was just, it was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if this is like a pop cultural kind of thing or some uh, facet of some a particular spiritual practice that has now kind of opened up. And it's kind of become a trending, everybody's got these cords kind of a thing. Um, you know, and I, and I want to be clear, you know, we, we can establish energetic connections with people. That is a thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that it is unfair or maybe perhaps a better word. It's, I think it's oversimplistic yeah. for us to identify something like that, that connection with the concept of something like a cord. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think where a lot of it's coming from is obviously social media, mm-hmm. um, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to drop any names of any, any shows, because I love all the witchcraft shows that are happening out there, you know. Um, but there's a particular show where there's two candles that share a wick and you light them and boom, it's it's a cord cutting. And that's just not what a cord cutting is. On top of that, we have a lot of new age slash light worker practitioners who talk about cord cutting like it's just this flippant little thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have people who are, I'm pulling out the energetic cords that you've collected. Mm-hmm. And all I can say to that as an energy worker, as a witch, as someone who has clients that I work with, um, those cords usually will dissolve after you've done the proper amount of healing. You, you can rip that cord out and it will automatically reestablish almost instantly if you haven't done the actual mundane, spiritual, emotional, and even psychological healing around that particular thing. Now, if you were in a relationship with someone for two weeks and they were abusive and so you left them, you didn't establish a cord there. 
Yeah, yeah. Anything that can get in a situation like that, even if it were longer than two weeks, because I had this conversation with someone recently, uh, you know, and they were talking about how they'd broken up with an ex who, who was, you know, abusive and, you know, and they didn't really elaborate on all the ways that this person was abusive, you know, but, but in trying to, to work with this person and, you know, and, and, you know, trying to calm, you know, and, and, and be sympathetic, compassionate with them. Um, you know, they, they'd been with this person for a number of years and this person obviously had done, you know, some, some harm to this, this individual, but, um, and they kept going on and on about the cords and the connections that they still felt and the, you know, and they wanted to do this. And it, it was just so obvious, even through the course of conversation. And she eventually did see this, um, you know, that the only thing that was really sustaining any kind of emotional or, or, or spiritual connection to this ex who was long gone for months at that point was the trauma that this person was still carrying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and in having that conversation with them, I was like, you know, if the best thing for you to do to sever any kind of connection that you have to this situation is one to give yourself the time to heal, you know, um, and then to assert some, some boundaries around this, like for real, you know, um, you, you absolutely have all the right that, you know, to, to do what you need to do to, to soothe and uh, soothe yourself and recover. But your continuing need, her continuing need to sit and to rehash and relive and to go back and nitpick every tiny detail, every moment of abuse, everything that made her feel like shit in that situation. That was what was sustaining this for her. Yeah. Well, and that's something that you have to realize that, um, when actual cord is established, an energetic cord, it's not just a one-sided thing. There's two sides to that cord, just like there are two sides to a drawbridge. There are two sides to a door. And if you have established this cord, tying two candles together with a piece of string, lighting them on fire, and then watching a fire hazard happen is not what you're doing. That's a separation spell that helps kind of burn maybe any excess energy that you would be giving into it. But the thing is, is if you continuously sustain this by reworking and rehashing the trauma, like you said, then all you're doing is giving it more energy and feeding it more. Ultimately, what a cord cutting is, if done by an actual ethical practitioner, is removing the parts of that person that you have that connection to from you giving it back to them and then pulling the parts of you that you willfully gave to this person and may not have actually willfully given them back from the other and then taking it back to you. It's, it's a process of reclamation. Mm -hmm. In some practices, it would be considered soul retrieval, right? And so... What an actual cord cutting is, is more intense than just what it actually is. And it's not required every single time you have a breakup. It's not required every single time you need to move on from a situation or a relationship. It's much more in-depth than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The it, To get back to the the question that we received... There really is no quickie, I'm going to light a candle and I'm going to sever this connection, okay? The best way to, 
if you're going to sever a cord, if you're going to, to sever a connection like that, okay, is it really, it, it's the practical stuff that you need to, to address. And I think that's why people tend to get a little woo-woo and out there mm-hmm. with things like cord cuttings and spells and things like this for this kind of stuff is because it's much easier to sit and light two candles that you've tied together than to actually say, it might be a good idea for maybe me to go see a therapist yeah. to kind of work through this trauma. Or it would maybe be a really good idea for me to actually take initiative and cut this awful person who is harming me completely out yeah. of my life. Well, and, and know, those are hard things to do. Those are hard things to do. And that's that's the first step that I tell any of my clients when they come to me for cord cutting. First, I do a reading. You know, if the reading, the cards, the spirits drop and they say, yeah, they'd probably benefit from this. The first thing I tell this individual is block their number. Mm-hmm. Block them on all social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you still have friends and family that talk to this individual, you need to set boundaries with your friends and family saying, I don't want to talk about them. I don't want them being brought up. And if they are invited to anything I'm invited to, I am leaving. It could potentially mean removing people from your life that are somehow inadvertently connected to this other individual. So that's why it could be potentially harmful. Now, after, you know, a few months, maybe even a year of having those hard boundaries set, usually that cord is like, boom, you're done. You've worked through some Mm -hmm. healing, you've done it. And even if you do end up seeing this person um, just out and about, you might have an initial trauma response, but you're not going to automatically rebuild that cord if you've done the proper amount and levels of healing. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I tell my clients first and foremost. Then there's an entire energetic process that I, as the practitioner, have to take this person through to sever that cord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think more often than not, if you're really looking at that work, and you were mentioning this a moment ago, it really, rather than focusing so much on the cutting or the severing of something, it really has a bit more to do, I think, with reclamation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the other most practical or, or one of the more practical ways that people can go about working uh, a process like this is to make sure that they are dedicated about taking back what they feel they've lost yeah. or what they feel maybe was taken from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and admittedly, there are things, you know, that we can't take back, right? Like if someone has stolen from you, I mean, like, you know, whatever it is, you know, you may never be able to recover that thing or that, you know, that part of your being or, you know, identity, whoever, you may never be able to really get that back at least not in its its pure or specific form. You know, they got what they got, right? But even if someone has victimized you, you have the ability later on to say, you know what, I'm not going to continue to be a victim. Mm-hmm. I'm taking back my self-worth. I'm taking back my personal power and my strength. Your sovereignty. You know, I'm I'm going to, to heal in this way because at this point it's not about them or what they did to me. It's about where I'm at in my life today. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I also wanted to kind of talk about with this uh, question is the real harm that can come from a situation like this. And when I'm talking, when I say situation like this, I'm talking about people who go to see unethical practitioners or who work separation kinds of things, you know, on situations like this. And in the process, um, they a lot of time don't realize that they actually could be kind of adding, you know, fuel to a fire, right? And in saying that, I'm not saying that they're strengthening a connection or a cord, but I've seen a number of situations where somebody has gone, you know, for whatever reason, they've, they've gone, you know, gangbusters on trying to sever a cord, to cut a cord, and um, 
in the process of doing that, they've ended up creating more work for themselves later on because all they've managed to do is psychologically remove themselves from a situation that was probably supposed to for them, probably supposed to teach them mm-hmm. something even within the realm of like lessons of responsibility, mm-hmm. okay? In no way am I trying to say that anyone is responsible for what someone may do to victimize them. Yeah. Okay, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not going, I'm not blaming the victim here, okay? But I will say that those of us who have found ourselves being victimized in whatever sense, we do have the responsibility afterward to take part, to be an active part in our own healing and recovery. And in trying to spiritually bypass something like that by doing this, all you really are in essence doing is setting yourself up to make the same mistake or to go through the same process or cycle again later on. Mm-hmm. The person may be different, the details of the situation may change, but you're gonna find yourself in another moment where you're gonna be like, holy shit, here I am, why me? Why mm-hmm. again? And the real reason for that is because you didn't really do the work you needed to do the first time. Yeah, you didn't do you, the work to you heal. You didn't heal. You didn't take back the pieces of yourself. You didn't really grow through that experience. You see, you didn't get the lesson, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the real harm I find that comes from a situation Mm -hmm. like this when people try to take the easy way Mm -hmm. out. And and when they go see an an ethical practitioner or someone who claims to know what they're doing, but they don't, just Mm -hmm. half the time, cord cutting is a serious business. And going to see Quantum Shaman Angel Lady um, or Quantum Shaman Angel Uh, Man. However they may identify. However they may identify. (laughs) Um, they really truly don't know what they're doing. You oh, know, and they're messing with your energy. They're field. messing with your energy field yeah. and really creating an issue. Um, we've shared stories on the podcast before where you know we've had people come to see our practitioners to get a cord cutting or to do these things because the practitioner that they went and saw prior didn't do an effective or an efficient job. And then upon inspecting that, mm-hmm. that the client's energetic field, it's like, it's it's hemorrhaging. Yeah. It the, is hemorrhaging. Yeah, have, or yeah. it is Swiss cheese. And mm. it's just, it's like cheesecloth. It's just so thin and brittle. Yeah. And. It's almost like they've been traumatized all over. All over. Again, because, you know, not only were they dealing with the original injury or issue but now they've had some other person go in and you know create an additional problem exactly yeah and and usually this person uh, my favorite thing is when i hear these individuals do the whole i'm gonna call an archangel michael to cut this cord archangel (laughs) michael doesn't give a shit if you've developed an unhealthy attachment or a traumatic cord bond Mm -hmm. with your ex that you had for three years who is mentally and physically emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. Archangel Michael is too busy dealing with things on a universal level. You know what Archangel Michael does care about? If you got the lesson and you were made stronger through that experience. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we have this conversation a lot. Um, and one of my students, Frankie, um, actually puts it in perspective. Archangel Michael will help if it is for the greater good, if it is for the good of all mm-hmm. to the mean, to, to a means to an end, yes. then okay, that energy will pop in. But I'm sad. I'm scared. If we cut this cord, I will feel better. Archangel Michael doesn't care. That's very selfish. Yeah. When yeah. Archangel Michael looks at something like that, it's like, 
cool, are you actually going to do, no, you're not, you're, oh, you're already making the same mistake, bye, you know, so, what can we tell our listeners, what can we give them that is practical, how can you cut a cord practically? Well, there really is, I think, given all the, the tone of our conversation so far, um, we, we've, we've provided that information. When you look at the practical way to resolve a situation like this, you really first need to not be, you shouldn't reach immediately for the spiritual. You know, you were just talking about the Mark, the Archangel Michael, you know, which I, you know, I'm named after the Archangel Michael, you know, um, you know, and I, I have respect and belief in that, that particular spirit. Well, so do I. You know, I mean, but I, but I, I often wonder sometimes when we look at things like that, and I'm not just talking to the Archangel Michael, but you know, when we look at a situation like this, that basically just comes down to, I need to learn to maybe make better choices. I need to learn to assert healthy boundaries. I need to learn to, to, that my needs are just as important as this other person's. You know, I need to learn these things. These mm-hmm. are important lessons. If you're going to navigate the big scary world that we live in, you need to learn these things. Um, and so doing that, you think, would be, like, that should be the work. That should be, like, this is what you do. Yeah. It doesn't get more practical than this shit. But instead, we have a tendency to reach for the magic answer, the universal thing, the Archangel Michael, you know, which is hilarious to me because it's almost like you're you're going to, you know, you're going to con- call a construction company and hire a backhoe to come and kill a spider in your house. Yeah. In essence, is kind of how it sounds. Like, like, why are you going the nuclear route? You know, like, why are you doing this? You know, um, anyway, so as far as spiritual work is concerned, you know, you've mentioned a few times that that there are practitioners out there, that there are people out there who do actually study and learn and who are familiar enough with the way that energy, not, not a cord, but energy can be established and then maintained through serious emotional connection between two people, Mm -hmm. good or bad, um, you know, how... That there are people out there that can work with those things in effective ways, and and to be honest, even when you go and see a, a practitioner like that, and they help you to to remove or to sever something like this, that still isn't an immediate fix. Yeah. Initially, that kind of work usually causes more trouble. Yep. Because you have to kind of go through a process of recovery. Yeah. Like how many times have you done this where you've had someone come and see you? And, you know, and they sit there and you do some sort of work to remove something from them like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I know that you, when they come here, we, we give them this pep talk because yeah. we, we don't want them to think something went wrong, right? But they leave, they walk out of that experience and then within like a day, like they're in the midst of an emotional breakdown. Yeah. Well, th- this is how I describe, this is how I describe how an actual cord cutting feels. It's like a deep tissue Swedish massage. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately after, you feel lighter, you feel good. You're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I got this. Yep. And then probably within the next 30 to 45 minutes to an hour or a day, mm-hmm. um, if you're not drinking plenty of water, because that's also something we tell you, you need to drink water to actually like let that happen, um, then you are crying every little thing. Because mm-hmm. ultimately what a cord cutting does is it forces you to actually heal mm-hmm. it yeah. gives you no other option than to heal if done correctly yeah you know if i'm sitting down with my client and i'm feeling that cord connection and i'm like okay here's what we're gonna do and i start pulling this toxic gross negative energy and effectively like a, like almost like a hook you know an anchor from this other person out mm-hmm. of my client mm-hmm they're going to immediately feel better. However, 
when I give that back to the other person, I'm still going to have to remove the excess energy from my client that that other person has, right? So I will then have to follow that cord, pull that anchor out, which means you might be actually facing some sort of thing where you're like, you know, actually, I was at fault sometimes. You're going to have to sit and actually acknowledge those mm-hmm. things because yeah. the minute you don't is the minute you will not be whole again mm-hmm. and is the minute you will you not the other person you the client will start to develop and reach out again nine times out of ten when someone comes to me and they're like that cord's reattached my first response is did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them well they reached out to me mm-hmm. And, and reestablished contact. Exactly. And I allowed them back in. Exactly. And then my response is, what did you do? I told them to leave me alone. My response to them usually is, you shouldn't even responded. You should have automatically blocked mm-hmm. and moved on. Yep. Let them be. You know? Yep. So is there some sort of visualization, mic? or some sort of just personal thing people can do, or practical things to help them either allow those excess cords, if they have any, to kind of slough off, or... Um, well, th- those kinds of energetic connections, just, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking now as a metaphysician, okay? Um, you know, which, you know, an occultist, a sorcerer, you know, whatever you want to call me, a witch, which is what I usually go with. Um, you know, and this is not just my information. This is information from a lot of other sources. But those kinds of connections, to be honest, usually die off pretty quickly once we stop feeding them. Yep. So once again, we see this, this like, okay, if you just stop giving the situation your energy and your focus, it's going to go away. It's like a plant. If you don't give it the water that it needs and the sunlight that it needs, it it's going to wither and die. You know, and so there really isn't any kind of visualization or exercise I would tell people to do other than just move on. Okay. You know, um, now as far as, as getting this work done, my, my real position on this is that if you're going to do this kind of work effectively, unless you yourself have been particularly trained to do this, you don't want to do this. You need to actually go see a practitioner. Mm-hmm. You need to seek out someone who actually knows what they are doing. Okay. There are Reiki masters that can do this kind of work. Okay. But even then you've got to be very careful because there are a lot of Reiki practitioners out there that will immediately dive into the spiritual bypass. Shit. Yes. Okay. When I say a Reiki practitioner or a master Reiki practitioner, I'm talking to somebody who is traditionally trained and is not going to sit you down and immediately try to call in all of your angels because that's not Reiki. That's bullshit. Okay. Um, sun and moon practitioners can do this for you. Um, it, certain indigenous practitioners, you talked about mm-hmm. processes of soul retrieval. They can assist you with this. But again, you got to be very careful there. You got to make sure they're legit. You make sure they know who or they are, what they really claim to be. Yeah. Not, um, a, not a Celtic shaman. Yes. There's no such thing as a Celtic shaman. We're just going to go just on record you right know. now. And chances um, are an indigenous practitioner is not going to help you if you're not a part of the tribe. Chan- yeah, that's most likely true, yes. Um, yeah, so... Peruvian shamans, Incan shamans don't exist. Don't yeah, them. yeah, well, and they're not going to help you with something like a cord cutting nope. anyway because that's not something that's part of that tradition. But um, anyway, so um, you, you really you do need to seek out a, a legitimate practitioner mm-hmm. to assist you with this because you, you are potentially messing with your energetic field in a way that could 
have other mm-hmm. kinds of consequences for you if you're not doing it right. Yeah. What I will say is I agree with Mike 100%. I also believe... You're damn well better. I also believe um, that there are certain allies, um, magical allies, energetic allies, crystal spirit, plant allies, whatever the fuck you want to call them, um, that do initially have this power. So one stone in particular, since there's lots of people who love working with stones and crystals, that that I really feel is good for this. Um, I talked about it before, but there's red jasper because what red jasper likes to do when you're working with it in a capacity of healing is to help you help bring up those, um, that emotional baggage and that hurt. And it helps you organize it, file it, and then just kind of go, okay, cool. Do I need this? No. Cool. Let's incinerate it or bury it. Um, the other stone that I really enjoy that I will give to my clients is um, a piece of obsidian. Mm-hmm. Okay, Obsidian is glass. It is volcanic glass, right? And so if you are feeling like you need a cord cutting, what you can do is you, and, and you don't want to go to a practitioner, you don't want to do anything like that because, you know, maybe you don't have the funds. Obsidian is fairly inexpensive. Get a piece of obsidian and then talk to it and tell it like, I need you to assist me in removing any connections that I that, that are no longer serving me, that are only harming me. And what Obsidian will do, and this is just my experience and experiences of other people, I'm sure, um, it will kind of reflect back at you and go, okay, I can help you with this, but you need to actually set this hard boundary. And it, and it can be a powerful stone ally or a crystal ally to help you just effectively remove yourself from said situation and have some sort of cathartic healing. Um, I mean, I actually have a, I have a tool that I utilize when I do cord cuttings that is obsidian. Um, and that's all it wants to do. It doesn't want to necessarily ground you, though it can. It is most definitely like, I'm sharp, I am pointy, I cut. Yep. Um... And in doing so, you're going to probably go through a few emotional upheavals um, and a few spiritual blocks. But the thing is, is if you can acknowledge those for what they are, you're gonna you're gonna be able to move past it and become a better, more well developed practitioner and just all around person. Yes. So, um, do not tie two candles together. And then light them on fire. That's just a fire hazard. That is a fire hazard. And and not a cord cutting. And not a cord cutting. That is yeah. a separation. Um, that is a for sure way to send energy out into the world to the individual you're trying to cut the cord on to say, hey, come fucking get me. Because you're sending fire element through this cord that you've apparently established, mm-hmm. which can be potentially an issue. Yeah. Especially if this person has a temper. Mm-hmm. You have to think about these things. Um, when you're working magic, is how, how would this person react, you know? Um, yeah. You don't want to use some sort of 
fire binding spell on someone whose temper is already outrageous. No, you probably don't want to do that. You know, instead you might want to do a freezer binding spell. So think about these things as you're working your magic, as you're working your craft, and as you're thinking about other ways that you can develop and grow as a practitioner. Yes. And to those of you who have found yourself in a situation where you felt you've dealt with a cord, a connection of some kind like that, that you feel has been established to, uh, we'll just say the other side of that situation is someone you identify as a narcissist. Um, I, I want to say, first of all, that while many people can have narcissistic personality traits, that does not necessarily qualify them as narcissists. Okay. Um, but to those of you who are unfortunate enough to actually find yourself dealing with a truly narcissistic personality type, I'm just going to say that the best way to remove a narcissist from your life is to go silent. Yep. The more you fight, the more you try to assert a boundary, the more you do those things that you would normally do with a normal person, but narcissists are not normal people. Um, you're still, even with that, you're still feeding into that narcissistic behavior pattern yeah. for them. You could throw... Go silent. You could throw as much logic and evidence in their face as possible and their response is going to be fuck you is yeah. what their response is going to be yeah. um and then what's going to happen and don't be surprised the minute you pull away from a narcissist and shut down all forms of communication and connection they're going to turn it into them being a victim so that everyone will be all about them and they're going to paint you in this horrible mean nasty light when in reality all you did was show them a mirror and say look in the fucking mirror but that right there, though, that's a powerful working. Mm -hmm. Think about that, right? If you go silent on a narcissist, someone who is so effectively victimized you, um, that you eventually turn that around, even just by just going silent on them. Mm -hmm. And they then start to express concern or they begin to feel that they are now the victim in that situation. You just effectively, on an energetic level, took back everything that they've been taking from you. Yep. What, a, what a great way to work a cord cutting. And, and reclaim some sovereignty and power. Yep. You know? Exactly. So, anyway, we hope this answered so, your question, yep. loyal listener. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And Yeah. And we've got some cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks. We've got a few other guests lined up. Yeah. Um, and we have some other cool topics that we'll be discussing. Uh, again, some of them suggested by listeners. Yeah. So, um, so thank you so much. Yeah. Um, if you, you know how to get in contact with us, you can get a hold of us at info at catandcauldron.com. You can like and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, um, we're at, Instagram. We're at the Salty Witches Podcast on Salty Instagram, Witches Podcast and, on Instagram on Facebook. and Facebook. And if you want to take any classes by some ethical practitioners, a lot of our classes are available online. We're starting some really cool classes, and there's going to be some that are available um, and you'll only really be able to find these types of classes here at Cat and Cauldron. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we've given you some good information. Have a good night, everyone. Um, or day. Whatever it is for you. <laughs> <laughs>